sweatpants and got no no presence. <laughs> Nigga ain't got the dual dual necklaces swinging and got no presence. <laughs> Upside down baseball fitted. Mm, ain't got nothing for you, bro. You got some presence. It's just a facade. The following podcast contains explicit language. Seven times out of ten, we listened to our podcast at night. Thus spawned the title of this program. <laughs> Welcome to my global conversation about your person, persona, and facade. The weekly podcast where I discuss hip-hop happenings, music, sports, and politics. But mostly, how to navigate the world, being your true self. My nerve don't always translate well, so bear with me. This show is called The Facade Podcast. I'm your host, Sonny Hip-Hop, Dr. Brian Keith Hoskins, coming to you live from the invisible studios of West Texas. Facade Podcast Fam What's happening <laughs> How y'all doing Man it's been a It's been a hot minute Man I was looking I'm like hey I had to pull up the podcast notes I was like hey man uh, Last podcast I had Was episode 17 Frugal Falsetto Right so I was looking I was like hold on now let me look Pull up to Spotify I'm looking on here. Mm. Where was I at? Last one was, man, August 18th. It's been a minute. It's been like, oh, like three weeks, two weeks, you know, but we back from the break, right? So I, I've been, man, I've been around the world and now, yeah, yeah, I can't find my bags. Yes, I can. I found them bags. That's why I've been out and about last couple weeks. And also, as the world spins, I'm trying to get these ends. I don't know what y'all out here doing, but I'm trying to ruin this debt. <laughs> One Hana trying to ruin this debt, right? So just did this uh, trip to La Honda, California. Yeah, went out there. And we uh, did so. Check this out. So what I didn't know is... So, as a professor, professor me, who's an adoptee, right, of two African-American parents, right? Birth mom's African-American, obviously, right? And so, part of me catering to that identity is wifey and I create this program, Community Village, 2015. And so, you know, it initially was 16 hours. Well, actually, it was, we missed 16 Saturdays, two hours a Saturday, to educate families, right, in our pilot in Salt Lake City, Utah, right, about, hey, what is it like to raise a black child, right? You, If you white and you ain't got, and you got black children that you adopted, how are you going to speak to what it means to be black? Like, you ain't going to be able to say, hey, son, um, yeah, when I was growing up, they was calling my hair nappy. Like, you ain't going to be, so when your, kid, when your kid come home and say, hey, my, they was calling my hair, hair nappy, if you white, you might be like, well, what's, what's nappy? Is that good? Let me see your hair. Is it isn't that what's that what's nappy mean, right? Like you ain't gonna know the cultural nuances, right? Because you ain't black. And so, yeah, it evolved into, you know, eight-hour session, Friday and Saturday, four hours. And then it evolved into we didn't condensed it down to a four-hour session, right? And so we went out to California. Oh, and it was lovely. Whew. So listen, if if it if it didn't cost so much to live in California, man. I might do it, man. It was right by Oakland, flew into San Francisco, drove by down, you know, Oakland, uh, do the uh, is it Simi Valley? Nah, I'm thinking about something else. It's uh, 
Silicon Valley. Like, it's, like, it's where the wealth is at. So we went to La Honda and then uh, stayed. They had a an Ethiopian camp for parents of Ethiopian kids. That was dope, man. You know, we did, we did the, uh, we broke broke the kids up into groups, did a four-hour session for the kids. So I had the boys in the gender session, and Nedra had the girls in the gender session. And, hey, we worked it out. It was good. We asked the kids. Oh, well, oh, one of the, this exercise was extra dope. So one of the exercises, I was like, hey, I want all you boys to draw a picture of yourself, of how you see yourself. And then I want you to juxtapose it to a picture of how you think people see you. Man, them boys' stories about they say, oh, man, I almost start crying. I was like, man, these boys, because it was 11 to 18, these boys, they was, man, they was just so thoughtful and insightful about how they black looks. So it was two white siblings that were in there, two white boys, and they had some different perspectives about, you know, what it means to be the brother of a black boy or girl, right? That's Ethiopian, and I'm white. How do I represent? You know, I was telling them, hey, uh, because you white, you're going to grow up in certain spaces where people are going to be racist as hell. Cause they, and they're going to be racist around you because they don't know your story. But they think because you're white, you racist just like they are. And you're going to have to respond to that. You know, don't put, I told them, don't put them things on nobody. <laughs> don't put them things on nobody because, you know, they're kicking you out of school. Now, I've learned that schools, you can, black kids can get called nigger all day in school, hard ER, right? And if, if you punch somebody in the face, they suspending you. They're sending you home. They don't see that word as cultural violence when it's uttered, right, by some fool. They don't see it. So when you clap back, they're going to clap back and send you to the house. You're going to get five days worth of zeros. So don't do that. So anyway, yeah, we was there uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, you know, we did so our, our workshop, purposeful, purposefully creating spaces that move black children from surviving to thriving in society. That's that, you know, that long, yeah, that's that what that was. And so, we you know, we got it off. So it was good, man. Parents came through. We had a good, a good inquisitive group of parents who are mindful of the fact that their Ethiopian children will be constructed as black, as American black, as connected to hip-hop. And so how do you teach them pride in being Ethiopian without them saying, well, you know, I'm Ethiopian. My black look different than that type of black. In a in a condescending way, right? Because let me tell you, when the forces that be is out here hunting us, they ain't asking. Well, are you African? Oh, okay, then you're good. Yeah, they just the love ain't there. It, it's it's they don't the love ain't for none of us in the African diaspora. None of us. And so it was a good it was a good talk, boy. Woo! It was a good it was an extra good talk. And so you know that was that was we was out out there doing that. The semester started. You know, so I'm we back at it teaching two classes. So I'm, I'm out here two preps teaching two classes, one online, one in person. Love the formats. You know, it's about a program evaluation and assessment. So I'm teaching my students how to do. Uh, hey, this program say they do this. Let's evaluate it. Well, does it do this? We don't know if it does this. They say that it does this. What did the director say? What's the logic bottle? We need to see if we can evaluate. Are we evaluating this? So now we think it's accessible. So let's go ahead and assess it. Over the semester, final paper is what they would do to assess it. Blah, out. So, <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to that. We in, we in writing mode. It had three papers accepted, right, since uh, for 2019. Got two more in the tuck under review. And got some stuff we're trying to get out for 2020, 2021. So, I, you know, I'm out here working. So I apologize. 
You know, people hit me up where the podcast at. I want to hear, you know, the new podcast. What it do? What is, you know, what's, what's it about? And I was like, hey, I'm going to get it to you. So now they got it to you. This is it right here. Season one, the final episode, episode 18 of the Facade Podcast is going down now. We drop every single Wednesday moving forward. I'm, I'm finna get these videos and try to gotta do some pre-production so I can use my phone to record so I can get these videos and get this YouTube channel popping. Cause we, you know, I'm I'm a little bit behind schedule, right? Sometimes the team be, you know, flaking like snow in Utah in February. <laughs> So I can't, the, the, the TV, hey, man, we know I got to go to my girl. You know what I mean? I got, I'm got. i about to get this money on the corner, man. I'm going to get, yeah, man, I got to study. I got, so, you know, the team be falling apart. Like, I kill furniture. And so, <laughs> you know, hey, we, we out here trying to do it. And so, that's what I've been doing for like the last three weeks. I'm settled. Still ain't got no new car. You know, oh, so shout out to Carfax. Check it out. Three different cars I want to buy. And I was like, Hey, do you is this car still for sale? And they was like, yeah, still for sale. And I'm like, okay, send me the VIN number and the Carfax. We don't got no Carfax. I was like, okay, pay the sixty nine ninety five for three Carfaxes. Every single Carfax, the mileage had been set. Man, one car I knew I was gonna get had the seventy five hundred in my hand. Let's go. They was like, I ran the Carfax. The I take take a picture of the odometer. One hundred seven thousand. 336. I was like, oh, that's dope. I ran the Carfax. Yeah. 182,201. I was like, y'all can't do it. But I, but I, I, I shot them, you know, I shot them some work. Took a picture of it, sent it to them and say, hey, man, the person you bought this car from, they thought this. Yeah. So get at them. So I didn't buy three cars. So it's all good. So I'm still in the market. So I, I test drove a Jetta. I never did a Volkswagen Jetta before. Uh, crashed the 200. Um, uh, what was the other car? Uh, of course, I, I had the BMW 535. I was full, man, four-wheel drive. Man, I miss my car. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. My car is dead and gone, man. I miss my car. So, yeah, so I'm still looking for a car. Luckily, uh, I don't need no bus pass. I don't even know. Do, hey, do Luffy got a uh, bus pass? Do, this is it public transportation? It is. It is. You're right. You're right. Because they be on campus. Hold on. Coffee sip. So, yeah, they be on campus. They got the buses. But, you know, if I could find, if I could, if it was close to my, where I was at, I'd ride the bus to work every morning for 20 cents or have a bunch of this dollar 50 or whatever. I do that. Used to do it in Utah. So it's all good. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. Facade podcast fam. I'm just, that's, that's what I've been doing again. Dr. B Hoskins. I know my nerd don't always translate well, but Hey, we finna get into it. First topic. Yay. Yay. Format five random things for the new listeners. Five random things. Yeah. Therapy exercise, either or, neither nor. What we're not gonna do, ether. This is my newest one. Yeah, it got some ether on y'all. Talking about 
So Ether is the section, new section that's serious. It's a serious take, no comedy, just serious take in that in that part. Uh, talking about is what y'all talking about, asking me questions, and the detangle is, hey, you know, I try to philosophize a little bit, drop a little positive things to get into your spirit, creep into your soul, and grow you into, a, you know, a bigger and better person, right? So, again, season one, 18 joints. So, the, so, oh, so let me sidebar. The purpose of the Facade Podcast is to help me Get rid of this anger, right? It's my therapy. I started it because my therapist said you could start it. So the first 18 shows was what? My adolescence. So now I'm graduating. So the next group of 18 shows going to be the college years, right? So we're going to do, we're going to focus a little bit more on, on millennials speak and think and reminisce about college ways and paths. And did, did you become what you said you was going to be when you thought you was going to be a millionaire? Like, you know. Yeah, how that is your HIV test flawless? Is your body count up? We're gonna get to a whole lot of stuff on episode one of season two, which drops next Wednesday. So get ready for that. But we back to this. So my stomach been hurting, right? So I know I guess so. It's just it's this pill called Boost Bar, Boost Bruce Bar, not like Bruce Spar, like Bruce Lee sparring, but like Boost. Spar, not boost like you taking clothes because you're a booster like boost spar, right? And so I've been taking this anxiety pill. Again, I want to, doctor gave me a prescription. All I could think about was Tuskegee Experiment. So I was like, yeah, I ain't taking that pill. I had anxiety about taking anxiety pills, <laughs> which is just absolutely nuts. But hey, it's the truth. It's what it is, right? And so I was like, hey, I just, I don't know if I can do it. So I started taking it. <sighs> I just be scared, man. I be walking. I just get my chest be tightening up. It's just and it's for no apparent reason. So I'm taking anxiety, right, pills for my anxiety and my stomach be hurting. So I was like, you know, I need to get tested, see if I got an ulcer or something. Because, you know, life is just stressful. This tenure track travel is, is stressful, you know. And so I, was, I went in, and I was like, hey, the doctor was like, well, what's wrong with your stomach? And I was like, you know, well, I be doing this CrossFit, so I don't know if it's my stomach from doing sit-ups or if it's my stomach because I got a hole in it <laughs> for my ulcer. He was like, okay, well, let's send you to the, uh, I forget the name of the place, but they it's here in, in the city, right? And so I went there, and, man, I was like, oh, they was like, hey, we're going to bring you to this room, and we're going to have you ingest some fluids, and we're going to take an X-ray of your stomach cavity. And I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. And so I, they put me on this X-ray machine you stand up on, and they lay you down. But first, they give you the best uh, orange fizzy drink on earth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, I do that drink was so good. And so imagine a uh, like an orange crush, right? But extra fizz to it. Yeah, so you remember uh so when you was young, when I was young, they used to have this candy where you could you tear the pot the top off and it was these pop rocks and you pour them in your mouth and they'd be like <laughs> they was popping in your mouth, right? Imagine that in a drink. That's what that was, orange fuzzy drink. And then they was like, okay, now we're going to give you this drink. You got to drink this. Now, this drink felt like it was metal in the cup. Like, that's how heavy the cup was when they handed it to me. Same cup. And I was like, man, what, what is this? They was like, we need you to drink it for the x-rays so we can take a picture of your stomach. <laughs> and when I tell you, it tasted like five people vomited in, <laughs> in that drink. <laughs> Right before they handed it to me with a little hint of a strawberry, like it so it was like a, a strawberry vomit smoothie, right? And then they handed it to me and I drunk and I was like, Ooh. they were like, ah, no belching. 
Just, just hold it down. Make sure you can hold it down. And my mistake, I drunk the whole, the whole first cup when I wasn't supposed to. I just drunk it all. And they were like, ah, oh, we need you to take it in sections. I was like, well, you didn't tell me to take it in sections. You told me to drink it. And they was like, yeah, but not all at once. And I said, you didn't say all at once. So they gave me another cup oh, of the strawberry metal drink. Drunk it again? Oh, yeah, I was trying not to vomit the whole time. It was extra nasty. Extra. It so it tastes like not only that, but like say somebody barely sharded in the cup, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they poured it on the floor. Somebody stepped on it, right? And then after that, they scooped it. They they scooped it up, poured it over some dead squirrels that was laying outside <laughs> in the back, and then put it back in the cup and handed it to me. And I drank it. That's that's. Oh man, it was extra nasty. <laughs> Yeah, it was extra nasty. And so, hey, I'm waiting on my results. My stomach, I wake up in the mornings and my stomach be hurting, which is weird because, again, I'm intermittent fasting, you know, and so I only, I don't eat after 8 at night. So I don't know what, don't nothing be in my stomach. It's just weird. And so, you know, pray for your boy because I ain't trying to be out of here until I'm a centurion. I'm going to let it be one hunter. I cut a deal with God. So we already talked about it. And so, yeah, that, oh. If you ever got it, I'm telling you now, you ever feel like you're going to get an ulcer and you got to go, you got that extra fire insurance, they ain't going to warn you. They, <laughs> they not going to warn you about that extra ass drink that you're going to have to, uh, to drink, right? So, random topic two. So, Venmo Blues, episode 14 of the Facade Podcast, I mentioned a concept that came to me one night. I woke up and I was like, hmm, I think I want to be a mentolo. <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, uh what's a mentolo? And I was like, hey, you know, a mentolo is somebody that's a gigolo, but mentally, right? Because I ain't, you know, I ain't as fine as I used to be. Like, you know, I go to the pool and swim with a shirt off, but you know, I ain't my head turns maybe away from maybe away from instead of two, maybe two if they older, like the sixty year old women would be like, damn, he fine. But the twenty nine year old women would be like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> that would that would be that response, right? And so I was like, man, and I and so I put uh so on my Twitter handle, I was like, yeah, uh. I, you know, I'm a mental I'm here for the blah, blah, blah. And people hit me in the DMs. So, so here's the deal. Sidebar. When I tell y'all, it's numerous ways to get paid. You should never be broke. I'm not speaking for my professorial privilege because I'm a professor. I realize that. I'm just talking about it's people out there that need everything. And Twitter is one way that connects them to it. I had inquiries, y'all, from people, men and women. How can I, can you be my mentolo? It's a serious thing. I need somebody to talk to, to just intellectualize with. Because the people that I'm around, they just not, they're not on my level. They don't understand what I'm going to be doing. They just want to be in and unpack. I was like, what? So it caught me off guard, so I didn't have a fee structure. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what to charge for it. So I just hit, I was hitting people like, I, so to be honest with y'all, he had seven inquiries. But I was hitting people back, and I was like, man, um, well, tell me. So send me an informative email about um, 
your experiences about why you need a mental load, about uh, your um, your fears and uh, your goals and dreams, and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and a couple people hit me back. So I, I may be in business as a mental load, right? So if you're here, so I don't know if, you've, if you're here in my city, the mental load services, we can go out, have discussions, right? We can meet up at the, uh, what's that, uh, uh, any coffee shop in the city, you know, where you want to meet up and, and just have a conversation, Right, I, I'm your, I be your intellectual object of desire, and I'll be here for you. It's your mental load. You can get them thoughts off, them crazy ideas that you think is, you know, I signed an NDA, so all them crazy ideas you talking about suicide, commit murder, whatever. I won't say nothing. I'll be a vault for the right price. <laughs> so I'm here not to be your gigolo, but to be your mental load. So I, I, I let the boy, cause I'm hit one. It's a whole lot of things I can't do. I can't change brakes. I can't. Uh, I can't do your roof with your uh, what uh, shingles. I can't do that. I can't. Uh, I mean, it's a whole lot of things I can't do. But one thing a boy can do <laughs> is engage in intellectual jousting. Yeah, I'm the guy for that. So we can do that all day long. If that you know, if that's what you need. Then I'm, you know, I'm here for that. Yeah, I'm here for that. So, third topic. Whew. Okay. So, while I was in San Francisco, I hooked up with my man, Rasan. Right? So, I, my, I, this guy named Rasan, won't say his last name, went to SMU with as an undergrad. Cool as a fan. Extra cool. So, we, I went to dinner with him and his wife. His wife extra cool. So we chopped it up about, you know, veganism, uh, vegetarianism, about uh, beefanism and all that. And so we just had a great conversation. It was great, but they had to leave and I was kind of sad because wife was sick and she didn't want to go back at the hotel, right? And so I called a Lyft driver. So I don't know what the Lyft driver protocols are, right? But here's what I'm thinking they need to be. A, and I don't want to sound like I got a mega hat on. Yeah, man, if you can't speak English, how you a Lyft driver? I can't, I mean, so when I get in the car, I want to have a conversation. And maybe that's my fault. Every time I get in the car, I want to have a bomb conversation. So I had to take a lift to the restaurant and a lift away from the restaurant. The lift to the restaurant was the guy couldn't speak English. I was upset because I wanted to have a conversation. And I was like, man, I want to hear his thoughts about whatever. I didn't know where he was from. I just wanted to hear his life experiences because I'm a global citizen. But, you know, I didn't even know the language that he spoke to know that I need to learn to speak that language. So maybe the next time I'm in San Francisco, people that live there speak that language somewhere. I run into them. Conversation. I learn about life. Both of us win. But when I was coming back, here's the second protocol for the ladies. If you a Lyft driver, why are you putting? Why are you applying makeup while you driving me back to the hotel? <laughs> no, 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 no! Don't do that. You endanger my life. I wrote a lengthy one star. So they so Lyft message to Lyft. I wish I could say this facade podcast was sponsored by Lyft. Get up, get out, and get something. Lyft somewhere. That ain't it ain't sponsored by Lyft, but it, it, it probably goes. That's how I heard me saying it in my head. If you a Lyft driver, I wrote a critique. They need a zero, so they got five stars for the critique. I would have picked zero. 
because she was trash for applying makeup. So I, I'm like, hey, clearly I wasn't the first person. That wasn't the first time she applied makeup while she was driving because she drove wet. Like the car wasn't swerving or even trembling at all. But I was scared as hell because I didn't want to crash in. I didn't want to die in San Francisco away, away from home. I didn't want to do that. And so I was like, uh, uh, and I don't want to get rude. And, you know, I didn't want my maleness to flare up. So I didn't feel like I had the right to say, excuse me, miss. Uh, you don't need to be putting on makeup in the car while you driving with me in the back. Because she made it look back and hit me up with, oh, you male fascist. How you going to tell me what I need to be doing? You stepping outside of your line, pull over and let me out. See, I didn't want, I didn't want to escalate. But when I tell you I was scared the whole <laughs> I was I was absolutely terrified while she was driving me while putting on makeup. And so I don't know what the thing, I don't know what the what the eyeliner uh uh base is it foundation. I think this foundation. Is it yeah, man, they don't know nothing. So yeah, foundation, it ain't whatever where it was you put the the uh the brown the, the match your skin or whatever with the little brush thing on the face, she was doing that. And I was scared. I didn't know. So she got me there. And when I was got out the car, I was like, you look nice as I jumped out the car before she drove off. Well, didn't want her to think I was flirting with her. Didn't want her to think I was trying to holler. I was just glad that I made a home in one piece. So lift protocols, please. I'm, I'm going to have a show just about season two. We're going to have a whole show just about protocols for a whole lot of different things because I got a list of a certain – I might even write a book about protocols of engagement for life uh, based on the scenarios and circumstances you find yourself in. But lift driver protocols, please know how to speak English. And I'm not saying that from a place of hate because I want to talk to you. Or at least tell me when you get in the car, have a sign that says I speak Portuguese. I don't know how to speak Portuguese, but I got a, a Google app on my phone and I can speak it into the phone and it'll tell you in Portuguese. And maybe we can have a Google conversation through the phone. I don't know. Definitely don't drive trying to put no damn makeup on your face. Because <laughs> I value my life. And I don't want to be lost because you was trying to beautify yourself. Topic four. We 25 minutes on the show. So, I'm flying back. Because my children are older, I'm going to say this, and people going to get mad when I say it. I don't care. I think if your kids are crying age, they don't need to be allowed to fly on a plane. <laughs> I just where I'm at, allow babies crying. I, hey, I don't like that. But I got a solution for you. So what I think they need to have is some Benadryl popsicles. <laughs> For every baby that's crying, hit them with a Benadryl popsicle. They ass will fall asleep. <laughs> it'll, calm, it'll calm the babies down. They, they either need to put all the babies in the front of the plane, put all the babies in the back of the plane with their parents, or just have a plane. Like I'm sure Southwest is like, hey, we got all these people. And we can stop close to the city that where you're going to be at. And it just be planes full of parents with their baby kids hollering. So the whole plane is hollering. Everybody's cool with that because you're used to your baby hollering. I, my kids ain't hollering no more. And I just want to be. So when I got my power beats on, my wireless power beats, I'm trying to listen to Bank Heist, trying to watch season three. If I can still hear your child screaming and I'm five seats behind you. Man, come on, man. Hey, Benadryl popsicles. <laughs> Put your child right 
two extra sleep. <laughs> and I mean extra, extra sleep. That'd be so dope that you'll, you, you'll, you'll be sleep. You can sleep with your child. And then I can watch. I can get whatever I'm trying to get done, done. Because I don't have to hear your damn child hollering and screaming uh, above and beyond what I'm living. I was so glad I had, that I charged my headphones. Because if I had to hear, if I had to only hear your child hollering, man. I, I might have been, I might have said, uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, can you walk your child? Because I'm, hey, man. I ain't trying to hear that. Anybody trying to hear that? Handle that. Your child's too damn loud. Oh, well, I may, decide, may not say damn. But I definitely would have said your child was too loud. Come on, man. Handle that. There's people on the... I'm trying to enjoy my flight. Thank you. So, yeah. I think we need to have separate flights for people with that people that got babies. <laughs> so, all y'all can be together with y'all babiness. Topic five. So, one thing I'm mindful of in this Me Too era. Like, some people be like, hey, you know, because of the Me Too, men need to change the way that they engage women. You shouldn't be saying stuff, hey, baby... You look thicker than a snicker in that dress. You shouldn't say that. Like, right? That'll get you fired. Like, you shouldn't say that just anyway, unless you got a rapport with a woman. Then, you know, she might like that type of conversation, right? But just a random woman? Yeah, you might get the taste slapped out your mouth. I don't want to see that happen. And so I'm just like, hey, I don't even know how to engage women anymore. Like, I just say, if they say hello to me, I say hello to them. That's about it. Right, so I'm getting, I'm waiting at the carousel for my luggage. Right, and so it's a woman that's there, and it's a very big luggage. <laughs> and so I don't know how she got the very big luggage on her to begin with, but the very big luggage she grabs it by the handles, <laughs> right, and she tries to pull it off of the conveyor. So all the luggage is on the conveyor. You know how when you get it, when you get off your flight and then the uh, luggage fall down on the thing, the silver thing, and you're trying to get your luggage. So she gets the she grabs the handle and tries to lift it up, and it turns over and damn near turns her over and pulls her like five feet. <laughs> Funniest ever, right? And so. She looking at me while I'm looking at her. I ain't helping her. I'm not finna help you. Chivalry died with the Me Too. We're not doing it. I'm not helping you. Because I don't know what your response is going to be. I didn't know if she was looking at me like, I, I'm a woman. You see me. I need help. This luggage is too big, even though I packed it. So I know how much it weighed when I brought it with me to get on the plane to begin with. So help me. I don't know if she's thinking that. Or if she's thinking while I'm looking at her, I hope this black dude don't come over here and try to help me with this luggage because he thinks then he could ask me for my number and uh, take me out. Say, I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. And because I don't know what you're thinking, yeah. <laughs> Man, I watched her struggle with that. And then when she, got the, when she got the bag off of the thing, I walked over to her. I said, hey, man, CrossFit might help you out with that. <laughs> Because I've been doing it myself, and I feel much stronger. And she looked at me like I poured acid on her feet. <laughs> oh, man. It was the hilarity was nuts. I tried not to laugh in her face, but I was like, yeah, she almost told a rotator cuff. Picking that back, it was, uh, it was every bit of 49.5 pounds. But she was kind of scrawny, too. She was kind of scrawny. She looked like, uh, um... Nanny McPhee mixed with uh, olive oil. Like, that's who she, that's how she was, that, she was skinny like Zendaya, but skinnier. 
right? And so I was like, man, she was she what the muscles? She was all muscles, slender muscles, like Bruce Lee. That's how she was, like that. And so I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't help you. As a man, I'm not going to help you. I'm never going to offer to help women that I don't know with anything. I don't care what it is. Your tire blew out. Uh, you you getting accosted by a, by a man that I don't know him. I don't know the nature of y'all relationship. Nope, not helping. I'm going to keep it moving because I don't know what that outcome. I ain't going to intervene for nothing with people I don't know, and I get arrested when the police come or shot or even worse. Like So, we, yeah. <laughs> We're we not going to do that, but hey, it was, she got that hot equality because I was not going to help her. All women going to get the same not help for me. You It ain't going to be equitable. You're going to get the same equality not help for me if I don't know you with anything that you're trying to do because I don't know what that's going to, how that's going to impact me, right? Not going to do it. So, woo, 32 minutes. <laughs> So we here. It's on. So this is the therapy exercise, right? So this is the part of the podcast where my therapist says, so to let you know, I go to therapy once a week. And my therapist, who thinks she a hip-hop goddess, uh, knowledgeable, kick uh, joint, Queen Latifah, mixed with Lauryn Hill, uh, mixed with Rhapsody uh, type of uh, hip-hop head, was gives me an assignment. Every week, and I got an answer to it and be really thoughtful about it in my answer. And so this is the question. The question is, what is the greatest hip-hop story ever told and why? Right? And so I had to think about it. I was like, man, hip-hop stories are, man, they sometimes hip-hop stories, they hard to find. Like, what's the greatest one? So I, I was thinking about it. So the first song that came to mind was Jay-Z's Meet the Parents. Right? So I heard Jay-Z's Meet the Parents, and I was like, hmm. That might be, that might be it. Let me, uh, you know, let me let me see if I can get that song. And so, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it on the internet. So if you listen to Meet the Parents, it's a great song about a single parent. So Jay, you know, Jay Z been on this single parent wave, and you know, with criminality lately, <laughs> concerning the NFL and police, but. This song, it's a great song, you know, so I thought about that. That was the first song that I thought about, but that was the third one. So the second, the greatest hip-hop story of all time is this joint right here. here we go. Uh, uh. Not long ago, and live life slow, and just this stud, and people was behaving like they all too good. <laughs> By another little boy, this is what he said. Robbing old folks and making a dash. Money came with ease. It's like they had a disease. And a, and a, and a. He was a DC undercover. So, for those of you who don't know, that's a legendary Slick Rick. Children's story. That's one of the best stories ever told, right? And that, But that was number two on my list. Because this song right here, when I heard this song right here, I was like, this is the greatest hip-hop story ever told. And this is just a, a glimpse of it right here. Uh. So I seen the song to this day. Cold steel for real. That's why they keep me concealed. I'm seven inches. Oh. <laughs> One in my head. They call me Desert Eagle. A semi-auto with lead. I've been through so many towns. Ohio, 
Took a Nazi, living harshly, beat up and battered. It never mattered. Keeping me filled up with hollow heads. How you like me now? So, that's nice, right? Name of that song is I Gave You Power. So if you know Nas, 1994, Illmatic drops, you know, some people argue it's the it's the greatest solo effort of an MC, 10 songs, extra dope, two years later, follow up, it was written. He got a song on there with R. Kelly, we forgive him for that, but this song, I Gave You Power, is essentially about a gun, Nas is rapping as the gun, from a gun's perspective, about how he's discarding how he murders people and he don't like to do it. Man. Like, that was just one of, to me, that's, that's, that's dope. It's like one of the most thoughtful, uh, yeah, it, it just, it blows my mind. It's, it's the creativity, right? So that's the song, and the reason why is because Nas was, he he was a creative genius in that song. Like, I consider myself a creative. It's a lot of things that if I had the resources to do, I'd have been up. I'd have a show like Atlanta. I'd be out here doing, you know, stand-up like Dave Chappelle, Sticks and Stones, which I'm going to talk about later. Like, it's just sometimes you don't have the, the time, right, or the effort. You had the effort, but not the time and the money to match the work, right? So you can't get it out there. But when I heard it, I was I could see it. Like he, Nas tells a story vividly of how the gun is thrown on the ground. You can hear it hitting the scrape of the cement. You can hear it getting cocked back. Bullets getting placed in it. Like it's man, it's just, it's just a dope effort. Whenever hip hop is, because Nas is a lyricist, so whenever hip hop is just that about spitting, you know the braggadocious, you know blah blah blah. I love that. But when it's in a story form. Man, and Slick Rick, he's a great storyteller. You know, even Biggie, uh, bring some weed. I got a story to tell. <laughs> got a story to tell. That that's that's a good. That was in my top five hip hop stories ever told. But this one, man, I gave you power by Nas. Whoo, yeah, that's that's ideally that's the greatest hip hop song ever told. End of the therapy exercise. Whoo, and so I want I want to get into. So the next. Thing is, we get into our either or, neither nor, right? And so, either or, neither nor is two things that I like, right? Either or, I like this, either or that, and neither nor is two things I don't like, right? <laughs> and so, this is something that I like about a conversation that was had on the recently on LeBron's The Shop on HBO. Here's the clip. And with all that early success, you felt it was important to make a, an announcement recently. He said it was gay, so what? Yeah, what's the point? So why did, why did he feel that was necessary? It's not about who cares. That's actually my question. Why do you feel it was necessary to come out and say that? It's not that, like, it's, like, being forced. It's just, like, knowing, like, growing up, like, I'm grown. I'm growing up to hate this shit. I'm not supposed to Grow ever to hate like what? this. Hate what? Hate what? Homosexuality. Gay Why? people, come on now. Why you gonna? If you're really it? from the hood, you know, you like, you know, like it's it's not some. So it's like if for me, the the cool dude with the song on top of everything to say this, any other time, like I'm doing this for attention in my eyes. But if you're doing this like while you're at the top, you know it's like for real, and it's like showing like it doesn't really like matter. I guess exactly. It does. There it is. So for me. Right? That's the clip. Here's the full context. So you got Little Nas X. You got uh, Kevin Hart that you can hear in the background. Uh, you got Kevin Love. 
uh, some other people, a Gronk is there, and so they happen to be talking to Lil Nas X about his being gay and his come out story and narrative and why he felt the need to come out publicly, right? And so for me, it was it was rather insightful, right, to hear the, hear the young brother discussing, like, his disdain for growing up gay, seeing other brothers as gay, right, and talking about how, you know, I'm growing up in the hood, like, growing up in the hood is kiss to death. You coming out on some I'm gay in the hood, the hood ain't trying to hear that at all, 100%. And so he, he's explaining why he felt the need to let the public know, you know, which was valid. And I, and I, I think that, and because of, you know, we, we joke about toxic, you know, masculinity and what that looks like in the black community, what, what it means to be tough or masculine, right? While one is trying to be gay and navigate spaces where you have to project sometimes yourself as somebody who can defend themselves or protect someone, right? But what I you know, so I like that about it, that he's able to have the discussion in a way that he thinks is safe. But I felt like Charlemagne the God and Kevin Hart was chastising him, right? Saying, you know, he said he was gay. So what? Like, what? it doesn't matter that you're gay, but it does matter to the person that is gay, right? So I don't get the closet in my blackness. When you see me, you see me, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, depending on how dark it is. <laughs> Outside, you might not see me. But when you see me, you see me. You know that I'm black. You know, typically, you say, hey, he's of African descent. You don't know if I'm Congolese or if I'm from uh, New Jersey, Trenton, New Jersey. But you know I'm black, right? And so, but if I see you and you're gay, I don't know. That you're gay, that you're closeted, right? And so I felt, I felt that it was cool. Like, for me, I'm like, okay, it's 2019. It's coming out news in 2019. Little Nas X came out and said I'm gay. Like, that didn't make me like your song anymore or any less. I'm from Oklahoma. I love country music. Not. But I do love rap music that is hip-hop with country sounds under it. So that was cool. It was a different take on hip-hop. So I like that. Right? I don't know if I'm going to buy his album when it drops. But I do like, you know, I like the song. So it's a pretty good song. But I'm like, it's okay. You know, even Kevin Love expressed himself about, hey, I got to get my story out about my mental illness. I got to get ahead of the story. And so what I liked about it in my either, I like that men who have been taught to be, to withhold emotion can show emotion and expose their vulnerabilities and be transparent about it without giving them, <laughs> without caring about what people say or think about who they are as a person. So I absolutely love that. That that was extra dope. We need more spaces like the shop. Speaking of which, sidebar, Soda Facade Podcast Live Season 2. We're going to do another collaborative with 100 Black Men of West Texas with some young black boys on the 5th. Let me see. Uh, let me put this calendar up. We're going to do it on the 8th. Sorry. So that's, oh, that's, hey, that's coming up. That's like Saturday. So we're doing it this Sunday. We're going to be coming together with the young black brothers, we're going to be talking about uh, consent. What a consent look like, how it should sound, what it feels like. We know young black boys understand some of them, rape is forcibly taking sex, but it's a spectrum, right? So street harassment to me is on the other end of the spectrum. Again, go back to, <laughs> hey, girl, you show this feeling them jeans out, I drank your bath water. <laughs> 
which by the way sounds absolutely gross. But I went to college with this dude named Big Daddy, named Antoine. And he would always say that. He said some other things that was, in hindsight, extra creepy. But he did say that, and I was like, drink the bath like she's dirty. Is she just getting in it, or has she already bathed off and it's dirty now? You drink it. So I, I didn't really understand what that meant. But street harassment. So that's the continuum. So we're gonna talk to the to the young black males about it in a barbershop format. And we're gonna do these drop mics, several mics, mix and master down, and then I'm a facade podcast live. We did the first one, but the sound was balance was off, and it was just it, it didn't work right. So this time we're gonna do it right. When I get it to you, we're gonna just take some YouTube videos. Do this YouTube thing, get out there for you to see it. This is my or. <laughs> this is my or. So, here it goes. Delish is the website. A plant-based burger is finally coming to McDonald's. So, subtitle, The Impossible Whopper has some competition. So, I don't eat at Burger King, even though they got an Impossible Burger. Last time I ate at Burger King, might have been like six years ago, I ate the Chicken Whopper. Guess what? I was up from 2.30 to 4.30. <laughs> Basically throwing my $2 back into the toilet. Never ate at Burger King again. But here's the title. Just last month, Burger King took this impossible burger nationwide, and we couldn't help but speculate a little about when McDonald's would join the bandwagon. Now. We got answers. The iconic food chain began selling its own plant-based burger dubbed the Big Vegan Burger TS. So let me be clear. I think they sprinkle crack on the McDonald's so- on the on the Big Mac sauce. <laughs> Big Mac was always my favorite burger, even though. As a throwback, my first job was at McDonald's. Back in the day, they used to make this thing called a McDLT. Keep the cool side cool and the hot side hot. Mm. Whew, that was my favorite McDonald's burger, but they discontinued it. If you go into my mama's house right now, look on the wall, you'll see my first check from McDonald's, $34.42. Minimum wage was $3.10. The first person that can DM me and tell me where year it was... <laughs> I bring you on the podcast. Matter of fact, the merch about to roll out. I send you a free tea in whatever size you want. But McDonald's, so they launched through. They said though the meatless patties launched exclusively in Germany, uh, in five other leading international markets, right? So they testing it with people that don't live here before they bring it to people that do live here. I don't understand that. Well, we may not have the luxury to chow down on a vegan Big Mac right now. This might indicate a U.S. launch is happening soon. According to CNN, Nestle developed a parent-based product for the burger, the gourmet, the garden gourmet incredible burger, which created with soy and wheat protein, has ingredients like beets, carrots, and bell peppers that mimic the meat-like texture and aesthetic. Hey, I'm 2,000% in. I ain't ate at McDonald's in. Well, I will say this. So the McDonald's salad, Southwest salad, whoa. Now, I'm going to eat me a Southwest salad because Southwest salad is good because it got chicken on it, you know. And so I'm like, hey, uh, man, I don't care if this vegan burger is $8. I got $8 from McDonald's. One Hanna, $8. And I'm probably only eat two or three a week because I like, oh. So sidebar, if you go to Costco, I got to remember the brand. I don't know if it's great value because I don't eat great value food. But they do have a couple black bean burgers. Options at uh, Costco. Get that joint. Oh, mm. oh I'm sal- hold on. I'm salivating. 
ah, I'm getting excited. I'm hungry thinking about it. What time is it? Ah, damn it. It's 837. I'm out of my uh, window to get something to eat. So I just have to wait till in the morning at 1201. Black Bean Burger from this Toro Burger in the city. Pretty good burger. Uh, check it out. So that's my or, right? So my either, the shop, no toxic masculinity, right, from black men. Brothers should be able to come out, be who they are, talk about their mental illness, and we support and embrace that, right, in positive ways. And McDonald's Vegan Burger Big Macs. Woo! Can't wait. Neither nor. <laughs> So this is my neither nor. We 47 minutes into the show, right? So this is my neither. Apple credit card. So I was thinking, I got several alerts. Hey, Dr. Hoskins, you need to apply for the Apple credit card that we getting ready to drop. Interest rate is like 12% to 20% interest, right? And so I was like, oh, interest rate, that's appealing. And then they was like, hey, we won't even have we'll mail it. We don't even have to mail it to you. You can just download it to your phone. And I was like, download it to my phone. And I was like, yeah. And you can have it separate across all your iPhones in your account, so everybody in your house can use your Apple credit card. And then I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, it, yeah. I was like, huh? That don't, yeah. I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that. Too much access, like they already have my information. Cause I'm an Apple head, right? So I got a, uh, I got a MacBook Air. Uh, where, where's my uh, bag? So I got a, I got a MacBook Pro. I got a, uh, I got a, a MacBook iPad Pro, the big one that you can write on. I got a, uh, at the house, I got the uh, Apple HomePod. I got the, uh, like the, my kids got AirBooks. Wifey got an AirBook. Like we, we are Apple. I don't got the Apple TV, cause I, I think it, it ain't ready yet. But you know, we just appled out, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's too much information. I just, I, so I'm afraid to have it. I mean, Southwest, anybody, you got a credit card, all you need is two credit cards. Like I got several, but I'm getting rid of them. Getting down to the Southwest Visa card. Every time I charge, I get points. I'm flying free to go somewhere, and the Mastercard Black card. I got those two cards. Them gonna be the only two cards I have. Later, through the moves, I move through like Best Buy, all that Home Depot. I'm getting ready. When I get them to zero, they're going to be canceled. But anyway, so I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know, man. It's just technology. Apple, I love Apple, but they like Big Brother. They got a lot of, they, they can track my movements, right? And I don't want to be, I don't want to have my data, my 5,000 data points out there so somebody can sell that data based on my buying habits that they use to track when I purchase with my Apple card. So I, I don't know. I'm just... I'm hesitant, so I'm gonna pass on the Apple card. I need, I need like a year to go by. See how many people's identities get stolen. You know how many uh, people, because your name ain't even on the card. The numbers are nothing. Like it's just you just have the card, and when you swipe it, it's, it's there. I'm like, that's pretty dope. I could Apple Pay tap. That's dope. But it's just, yeah, Apple don't do bank banking. Like that ain't their thing. Like computers is their thing. That'd be like, you know, uh, BMW coming out with a credit card. That, that ain't, that ain't their thing. They don't do that for a living. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's my thinking voice in my head. That's how it sounds to me. So, yeah, so yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to pass on that. Anybody that got the Apple card, let me know about it. Uh, if your identity gets stolen, let me know about that because I think that's probably going to happen. But, yeah, just keep me posted on it. 12% interest is dope. 
I might transfer a balance or two, right? Because I, I do be getting coffee too much, right? And swiping it. So anyway, yeah, that's that's my neither, but my nor, because I travel a lot. We back to the airplane. Onboard flight protocols. So I realized that when you pay to get on the plane, you feel like you had a right to be yourself on that flight. You 100% do. Be yourself. This is what I don't want to see. And it, the person wasn't next to me, so these people was around me on two legs of different flights, right? First question is, I know it's morning time, and we flying on the plane. Why are you flossing your teeth? That is nasty. You nasty. Somebody need to slap you in your mouth for flossing your teeth. Because when you floss your teeth, like, either you swallowing... <laughs> So when you floss your teeth, either you swallowing the ingredients, because this person ain't had no little rinse cup, which would have been extra gross to see stuff floating around in a rinse cup. But they were just flossing and swallowing, flossing and swallowing. Like whatever they flossed out their mouth, out their teeth, they just swallowed it right then. That's that's hella nasty. Don't do that. Like, don't do that. And he thought he was cool with doing it. And I was just like, really? You flossing your teeth? I walked by him, had to get up, you know, take, I, I learned, I was a uh, sidebar, I was this doctor on the Ricky Spanning Morning Show, and he was like, when you take long flights, you need to get up, like, every 45 minutes and walk so your ankles don't swell. I wasn't worried about my ankle swelling, but it just stuck in my head, so, like, every 30 minutes, I get up on the flight, and I just walk up to the front of the cabin, walk in the back of the cabin, you know, do my thing or whatever, and I was walking back to my seat, this dude was flossing his teeth. It was extra nasty. That's the first thing. Don't floss your teeth while you're on an airplane. Second thing, lady that was in front of me, so when you combing your hair, Right? So here's the thing. Note to all my white listeners with long hair. Y'all hair detaches from y'all head. <laughs> so black people, typically, if they got locks, they not combing their hair. Uh, they Black hair grows up. So I think that black hair grows up. It don't hang down like Asian or indigenous hair. And white hair, it hangs down. Right? So black hair... Hank grows up like Pacific Islander hair or, you know, like Latinx. Some Latinx hair is curly, right? And so it's different. This lady in front of me was combing her hair. And so, you know, so if you got a whole lot of hair that came out of your head on your brush, that's nasty. A, before you get on the plane, right? Make sure you take clean your brush out if you're going to be brushing your hair with people. I'm behind you. So luckily no hair got on me or in my food because I would have been hot. I would have banged her back of her seat and told her, hey, stop combing your damn hair in front of me. In front of me. I'm trying to eat. But I didn't because it didn't. But it was coming out. So it was on her, it was on her sleeves because she had a black shirt on. And that's nasty. Cause ain't no grease on her hair or nothing. So that, yeah, that was extra nasty. So don't flush your teeth. Don't comb your hair, right? Uh, I guess if you picked, I don't know. Just don't do, I don't like hair flying. I don't like hair in my mouth. None of that. We're not doing that, especially on a damn flight when I don't know who you are. Here's the third protocol, and this is a serious one. And I appreciate grooming, right? Because my pops told me, if you're a man and you use your hands, it's okay for you to get clear fingernail polish so your hands look clean. He said, son, you never want to have dust, uh, dirt under your fingernails. That's nasty. And I'm like, pops, you're right. That is nasty. So I, I don't do it. That's just a thing that stuck to me. But I was like, a person, two seats behind me, was fouling her nails. 
Don't foul your nails on a flight. We breathe and recycle air. The dust from your nails is in the air. So she didn't have like a like a uh, napkin on on her little tray that you let down. She was just do, 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 just aloof in the mud and, and just, you know, fouling her nails. I was like, hey. Well, I didn't say nothing to her, but I was thinking, man, I'm breathing recycled. Her, I'm breathing her DNA into me. That's trash. I'm not trying to do that. You could be sick. I don't know what's going on. But nobody said nothing. And I was just like, hey, that's that's trash. Don't do that. Don't please don't do that. Don't don't foul your nails while you're on a flight that I gotta be on, possibly get sick, inhaling yo, yeah, don't, I yeah, don't don't do that. Don't please don't do that. So don't don't do that. So that's my three. Don't floss, don't brush, don't foul. While you're on a flight with anybody. That's extra trash. Please don't do that. That's a violation of my First Amendment rights to have freedom of speech. <laughs> Some way, somehow. So, yeah, neither nor, no Apple credit. You're too much connectedness to all my Appleness and uh, flight protocols. Don't do that. So, while we're not going down, 56 minutes, 34 seconds. So, I've always said this. I think that what we're not going to do is a black war battle cry, right? So if you hear somebody black say, specifically a black woman, while she reaching for her earrings, uh, what we're not going to do, like what happens after that, that's probably your ass. So you want to stay clear of that? <laughs> well, I think, I think that's a black cultural nuance. So to the white listeners, when you get to interact with people that you know that's black, I want you, so here's your assignment. This is your homework assignment. <laughs> when you're around somebody black, I want you at some juncture of the conversation to say, well, you may think that, but what we're not going to do, <laughs> just to see how they respond, and hit me in the DMs, because I want to see how they respond to you for, <laughs> for saying what we're not going to do, so try not to do it in your black voice, <laughs> and, and we know we know what the black voice is. Like so, sometimes you ever been out and you try to be, and you try to shop, right? And then the white person will come up to you and they'll be like, "Hey, bro," or which is cool, bro is cool. But if they on some, hey, yo, uh, what it do, or something like that, yeah, what's cracking? They don't and they say it in the black voice, like they think that we sound when we speak slang. Don't do that. That's offensive. But it's, I think it's cool. What what we're not gonna do is regular English. Everybody should say that. Put it out there. I want <laughs> and let me know what the response is. So what we're not gonna do, right, is shame these intimacy counselors. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't want to take mentalo to intimacy counselor, right? But I thought about it. I'm like, you know, I'm a faculty member at an R1 institution. My salary's cool. I could be making more money, but my salary is cool. And I came across this article on Irish Central. It says America's highest paid legal sex worker is an Irish woman, right? So her name is Alice Little. I don't know if that's her real name. It says that she works at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch in Nevada. This has this starts. Alice Little, a native of Ireland who was raised in New York, is considered America's most successful legal sex worker right now, earning about a million dollars annually. So, let me repeat that. A million dollars annually. What? <laughs> what? 
after trying her career, or after trying her hand at a number of different careers, Little turned into a legal sex worker in 2016. Two, so three years, making a million. At the Moonlight Bunny Rats brought them in Carson, Nevada. And then it says that she did a piece in the Huffington Post where they talked about uh, she was a sex worker. Her quote was, I struggled to find work that combined my love for human interaction with something that made me feel passion. <laughs> oh, I bet you felt that passion in a variety of positions, no doubt. This, this is what else she said. I had options. I had to choose to be a legal sex worker. Yes, on purpose. Everyone has their preconceived notions of what a sex worker looks, sounds, and acts like. But I don't fit into those stereotypes. I'm petite. Irish. I'm a lady, and I stand at four foot eight inches tall. What? <laughs> but they bounce her off the wall. Uh, I'm well educated. I'm well spoken, and I'm not a victim of tragic circumstance. And I'm like, what? So it says that. So then it, it goes down further, right? It says for two consecutive years she was named the number one luxury companion at the ranch, averaging two thousand racks per session. Sorry, two racks. Two racks per session. 2,000 racks, $200,000. Two racks per session? $2,000. As an independent contractor. <laughs> so that blew my mind. Right? In the, the brothel, they handle all the payments and take 50% of what the lady books. So basically, if I had a bomb crib with a jacuzzi, and I said you could have sex in the champagne room every time, the legal sex worker worked as an intimacy counselor. I get half of that rack. Wow. I love being a professor. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But in the article, she goes on to say that most of the guys that book her, they just be talking about their life and about the things that they, you know, doing. Outside in the, and she closed it out with, despite sex work being so highly stigmatized, I love my job because I get to help people rediscover personal connections and intimacy. A million dollars. What we're not going to do is shame the intimacy counselor in 2019. We're not going to do that. It blows my mind that somebody would pay $2,000 to talk for an hour or what, you know, what they came to do, right? Knock the lights out. I'm sure they shoot the club up. Have all the analogies you want to make. I get that. But I'm like, man, talking? My mental low rate, I was thinking about, you know, per mental low session. I might charge you a hundred. Two thousand, a million dollars. That means she paid taxes on that money. So the brothel. So did, what it don't say is did she make a million dollars after splitting it with the brothel, or did she make a million dollars? Like that's just they made a million dollars too, right? So I'm just like, man, I'm just I'm not paying two thousand dollars to talk to nobody now counseling because my insurance pays for my counseling sessions with my therapist. It ain't two thousand dollars an hour. Know that, right? So I'm getting help to help me navigate through life because, you know, I ain't right sometimes. But I'm like, man, that's, that's, I don't know. That's just, that's extra nuts to me. But, hey, I can't knock the hustle. I mean, get yours. If dudes want to pay you to represent, then, hey, who am I to say anything as a man? Like, I don't have a voice in that situation. 
So, you know, I don't have nothing to say about it other than what I just said about it and, you know, what we're not going to do. <laughs> so now, Ether is my favorite part of the show. Touch Jay-Z. Well, we're not going to talk about Hove, but it's my, it's my Ether, right? And it's, it's going to be serious. It's a serious segment, so we're going to start it with this. She tells me, oh, the sketches are great. And I go, oh, fantastic. Well, well, then why am I here? She said, because, David, there's no way that you can ever say the word faggot on our network. I didn't know I did anything wrong. I didn't try to defend myself. I said, all right, fuck it. I'll take it out. Have a good afternoon. And as I was leaving, it occurred to me, hey, hey, Renee, quick question. Just a question. Seriously, I want to know, like, why, why is it? Why is it that that I can say the word nigger with impunity, but I can't say the word faggot? And she said, because David, you are not gay. I said, well, Renee, I'm not a nigger either. Now. I watch Sticks and Stones. I said I said my top five before, right? So Dave Chappelle is in my top five greatest stand-up comedians ever. So you have, for me, number one, I guess, is Richard Pryor. Two, stand-up, Dave Chappelle. Eddie Murphy haven't done anything in a while. So Eddie Murphy's three. He getting ready to do this Netflix deal, $60 million, one stand-up. Probably going to put Eddie back at two. Chris Rock is four. Uh, and then... I like Wanda Sykes. It's like five for me, you know, but you got Bill Cosby, you know, I mean, it's just some Seinfeld, it's a couple other comedians that do stand up, but Dave Chappelle for that joke, they was killing him. Right. So we in the age of cancel culture. So you got some people on Twitter that's saying, Hey, if people want gay rights, they need to get that people that's gay want to be treated equally. They need to get these equal jokes and stop complaining about it. Then you got people saying Dave Chappelle is homophobic. You know, he, he gives a, a, a really brilliant analogy of a breakdown of LGBT community, Q, right? In a humorous way. But for people that don't know the difference, like he begins to joke by saying, you know, people think LGBTQ is all one movement, but it's not. It's separate movements, right? Under one, I guess, banner. I guess you put it that way. So he, he was that was insightful. And so it got me to thinking, this in like the end of the joke. They don't care if we say nigger, call ourselves nigger, because for some of them, they see us as that, right? And so she, I got out of that joke, is that she sees him as a nigger. So it's cool for him to say it. And I was like, ah, taste the soup. Ah, <laughs> taste the soup, right? Like, I get it. But it's in this era of cancel culture, People are like, we need to get Dave Chappelle out of here. He need to get canceled. Nobody ever needs to, he never need to be allowed to do stand-up again. Just people, everybody, people got their take, right? So that's the thing about this era of social media. Everybody got their take, right? But so, want to read this segment. Dave Chappelle hosts Black Benefit Party for Dayton mass shooting victims, right? Dave Chappelle hosted a black a block party. It was, I'm sure it was a black party. Kanye was there, you know, black artists performed. A black party. Concert in Dayton, Ohio for the victims of the August 4th mass shooting that happened in his city that left nine people dead, right? It's called Jim City Shine. Happened on August 25th in the downtown Oregon district. 
blah, blah, blah. All the money was given to people that survived, right? And so people, sometimes people forget. Like, comedy is funny. That's what it is. Like, I don't, you know, I don't get offended. I've seen white comics get up and do their thing, say nigger, some context. Like, you know, if you if you think you can say that and deal with the repercussions of them, that joke better be hella funny. <laughs> Cause somebody might be waiting you on the wait for you on the back end when you come off that stage, and then you get dealt with. So that that look a little different, right? But it's just in this age of cancel culture, who who are we canceling? Why are we canceling? Are the good things that they've done relevant to how we look at it? Like Kanye West, I argue, you know, Kanye is the only MC with four classic albums. The first three, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, four solid classics. Nobody else got four. Penny people got three. Scarface. Uh, Nas only got one to me. Kendrick got two. Like you, I mean, Common got two. Uh, I mean, you can make a list of people of MCs that got three, maybe, but not four. He he's only one. But since he did the MAGA joints, you know, people looking at him like, yeah, you a sellout. You you turned your back on the black race. We canceling you. And so you know, I get canceling corporations. Corporations when they racist, they need to get canceled. Spend your money in a wise way. But people, we'll cancel a whole person. Just a whole person. That's now. This is within the culture. So Dave Chappelle is a representative of hip hop. You know, he's always did the little John Skid love Wu Tang. Always had Talib Kweli, most deaf artist. You know, like he put hip hop artists on in prime time. He's a son of hip hop, right? But he's a comedian, too. And so, yeah, the ether is look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, because you can be getting canceled too. I'm a professor. I'm working on some comedy skits. I got some things to say. Different take on life. People going to be offended. I don't care. So, you know, if am I going to lose my job as a professor? I don't know. Are we going to, you know, I hope not. I'm at the point in my life, you know, my work as a professor speaks for itself. My work as a comedian don't speak for itself yet because I ain't done it. But when I do it, I ain't biting my tongue. I'm going to say what it is because I'm willing to deal with whatever the fallout is for that, right? But canceled? Come on, man. It's comedy. It's, it's comedy. It's not serious. Somebody white walking up on the street calling me niggas is different than them telling a the joke about whatever. Kind of different. Okay, it's not different. <laughs> it's, not, it's not different, but I understand the context. It's Kramer. Meltdown calling black people nigga. that's different. That wasn't no punchline set up. That's just anger, racism on stage. That looked a little different. Sound a little different, too. That's why he got canceled. So that's for Kramer getting canceled. But this is a different era and different time. So, yeah, that's my ether for the day. Look in the mirror. Who gonna get canceled, right? Does does him saying words that I wouldn't say, you know, does that eliminate him from all the good things that he's done? Do we hold him accountable? Cause they holding him accountable on Twitter. People's on his side. People's against him. You know, saying what they got to say about Chappelle. But I'm mindful. People died, and he got all his hip hop peoples together and said, let's throw a concert and raise money for these families so they can bury their families and have a little money to send these kids to college of the people that's alive because your parents is dead. I think that's a great thing. And again, it's comedy. So that's my eat the take. Look in the mirror. All right, back to the comedy. <laughs> so, talking about this the, this the Q&A section where y'all ask me questions and, you know, I tell y'all what y'all talking about by answering these questions. So, here's the deal. I got this is the question that, that says, how do you feel about women MCs 
taking over this era of hip hop. Man. Yeah, that's I I mean, I I feel a good way about it, right? Like it's I, so here's the deal. The last time, so I, I bought Cardi's album, right? And I, cuz I'm excited about it cuz Cardi's album was I mean, it was good. It was a good album. So I copped it, right? I say the lyrics. Yeah, you know, I'm in there. I say these lyrics. That's, you know, how I feel about it. I'm, you know, this, you know, Megan, Hot Girl Summer, you know, Megan is a grown woman. Man, she is so thick. <laughs> She's thicker than frozen peanut butter on Pluto. That's how thick, that's how thick Megan is. She's extra thick, right? And so I, I appreciate her, you know, being a great MC. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, Nikki is holding it down as usual for the community. Nikki's doing her thing, extra holding it down. So love that. And, you know, so it's just, you know, Rhapsody, of course, is she's the God MC. I mean, she took, she picked up where Lauren Hill left off. To me, picked up where Lauren Hill left off. So I'm 100% for that. But when I tell you, it's only one woman MC's album that I'm going to rush out to get when it drop. Woo! This it right here. She ain't shy. Rock. The blue, the blue. Uh, uh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know that's right. And maybe I will deal with you if you play your cards right. Young Ma's album drops. I'm downloading it. If it's fifteen dollars, they call a half a knee. I got, I gotta do it. I got, I'm a, I'm a MC. I'm a elitist MC myself. Season two, woo, we get ready to have, you know, we gonna, I'm gonna do some straight eights on this podcast. So I just give y'all eight bars of straight heat, cause you know my son generation like dad, you can't rap no more. You washed. Yeah, I'm gonna show you. We finna get back in the studio, do a couple things, couple things. But that's how I feel about it. Women MCs. They keeping hip hop alive at this juncture. Like they doing, they taking it to, they talking about sexual empowerment. They talking about securing the bag. They talking about, you know, getting rid of toxic masculinity. They talking about getting treated like they should get treated, being better than men. Like it's just, it's man, it's just, it's a variety, Rhapsody, Lizzo. I mean, it's, it's you know, Tara Whack. It's, it's some women. That's like 10. Women MCs, I can name off. And I'm like, yeah, City Girls, Extra Ratchet. I love Extra Ratchet. <laughs> I love it. I love somebody that said, this is who I am. Bump what you talking about. This is set me how I am or you can or you can get the middle. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, oh, to crisscross. You can get the finger. The middle. <laughs> Yeah, the rest in peace, crisscross. But yeah, I, I love it. To answer your question, I'm all for women empowerment, especially in hip hop. But women need to do some ownership. I want to see some women-owned labels 
right? Some women that are uh, they got that are publicists, women DJs, uh, women that just putting together a festival of hip hop as just 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 women artists, right? To be on the VMAs, I mean that's that's dope. But you know I want to see more from women uh, so they can get out there and you know move and shake and control the culture in, in different substantive ways that get them straight to the bag, right? And get them respect, right? And so yeah, that's that's how I feel about that. So we one hour and 15 minutes in. This is the final season one, episode 18. Yay, yay. I'm glad I did it. I've been hesitant. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's hey, life is happening. So we're getting it done. Season two, episode one drops next. More, well, hold on, let me, let me look here. Um, let me see. Uh, on the 11th. Yep, September 11th. Mm. So it's going to be a celebratory day for September 11th. It's going to be the birth of season two, right? We're going to transition. And so uh, detangle, one hour, 16 minutes of rawness. The, the, detangle, it's just, the detangle is a really simple one, right? It's, it's just like a really simple detangle. And here it is as I think about it. Your body is your temple, right? And so how you treat your body is your responsibility, right? And I'm not trying to say this as a, as a I'm becoming a foodie, so I'm really mindful of what I put in my body because my body's important to me. And so I'm getting ready to stop drinking liquor. I know, right? I'm <laughs> so I'm going to go see my second godson going to be born. Yay, yay. Shout out to Trent Q. Second godson gonna be born, right? And me and you know, when I fly down there, me and Trent, we're gonna get slossage. That's gonna be the last drink I take for the rest of my life. So I'm getting ready because in a celebratory moment, get rid of alcohol, been working out, trying to make sure that my body, the fuel that I put in my body, no more slurpees. You know, I, I, I ain't ate beef and pork in a minute, like years. But I'm, I'm just trying to get my mind right, you know, trying to transition. I was gonna try to be a vegan. <sighs> I'm trying, you know, that I like these omelets. <laughs> so it's gonna, it's gonna be hard, right? But that's my advice. Like your body's your temple. Take care of your body. One of the listeners said that I was body shaming, right? I think it was uh, Lolita said that I was body shaming on a couple of the other podcasts. Here's the deal it's just like haters. So if you say, I don't like the facade podcast, that don't make you a hater, right? That just means that you don't like the podcast. I don't see you as a hater because you don't like it, because you don't like the content. You become a hater when you say, I hope Dr. Hoskins fails at doing his podcast because I don't like him. He got more than I got. That's a hater. So if I look at your body and I'm like, you a dude, right, and you got on tights, that's too little. <laughs> hey, man, if I, hey, I don't, hey, I don't want, if it, hey, if I got something to say about that, that'll make me a hater. That'll make me a body shamer. Like, you know, I like a specific body type. It's people that don't like my body. I don't see them as body shaming me. If they tell me, hey, you need to do some sit-ups, yeah, I do need to do some sit-ups. I ain't sloppy out here in these streets, but I do need to do some sit-ups, 100. But, I need, but, you know, my confidence is a little different now. I don't give a what nobody say. So, you know, that's just how I see the world. But that's you, your body's your temple. That's my detangle for 
season one, episode 18. We got 18 of them joints. We we had we reached our adolescence. 18th birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. So that's it. We closing out. That's the detangle. That's the end of this show. Season one, episode 18. We're getting ready to get out here. Follow us on Instagram, Facade Pod, because the buses took podcasts. So Facade Pod on Instagram and on Twitter, Facade Podcast on Twitter. Follow me, Dr. B. Hoskins, on every social media platform. Check the DSPs. Getting ready to download this, upload this right now so you can download it today. Thank y'all for listening. One. Oh, remember, we maraud for years. <laughs>